0: Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Johto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Sangram. Oh, see, now I'm going to – I always mess up the names. I should have checked with you on this ahead of time. Uh, Vajre, of – That's uh, ah, nailed it. <laughs> of, uh, that'll be the only time I get it right, I'm sure. Of Terminus about uh, account-based marketing. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar already with Sangram and, uh, and hopefully uh, account-based marketing, but we're going to be pouring it all over today. Uh, Sangram, he's a, a two-time author, including his latest book, ABM is B2B. We'll be talking a lot about that today, and he's the uh, co-founder at Terminus. Host of the Flip My Funnel podcast, fantastic podcast. If you're listening to this, you should be des- definitely be listening to that. I'd add that uh, Sangram is largely credited with igniting the ABM craze that started around uh, 2016. He's basically the guy with the ABM, ABM microphone was Sangram. So Sangram, really excited to have you on today to talk about this. Uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Absolutely, Scott. I mean, it's always fun to have, to, to have this conversation with you, especially because I think we both are like, you know, cut from the same cloth. Uh, We we dig this stuff and we want to provide and create value. So let's rip it. Uh, Fantastic. What do you
0: think about the title of, if we were to say you were the godfather of ABM, would you say, no, you know what, there was a lot of people pushing it before me. I just was the one that came along when it caught on or did you, was there a vacuum in this ABM area when you came along?
1: You know, so ABM. So I did not create the term uh, clearly, and uh, I think the term was created in the late '90s or early 2000 by ITSMA, which is a European um, kind of uh, kind of industry standard practice over there. And uh, but it never really caught on uh, in America at all, um, and in the, the large marketplace for until 2015. And two things happened. One, I left Pardot and Salesforce and started Terminus with two co-founders. John Miller who ran marketing and was a co-founder of Marketo left Marketo and started Engageo. So two of us started, who were the marketing automation people started two companies that were all about account based marketing. So in some way I think it created, so I would totally not take credit. I think John has as much as me, if not more to do with helping build this category, bring awareness to the marketplace. The one thing that I felt really privileged to do is that we built a whole community around this, with flip my funnel. So not about just terminus, but a whole 10,000 plus people community. We do like 10 plus conferences we have done in the last four years. Um, Hundreds of people, thousands of people listen to the podcast. So all that really is where my heart is. And I feel really privileged to do that.
0: Yeah. I remember going to one, well, start with, I, I will still refer to you as the, uh, the person who ignited the, the ABM craze, I think that's that's okay to say. You were out there championing it and pushing it so hard and always have been. Um, so obviously it existed the first time there was a salesperson. And I think a lot of people rightly say, isn't that what sales is? Did you come from sales? Do you have a sales background?
1: No, I don't. But I, so I get a lot of flack for this and it's okay. And I <laughs> want people to, to go out and do that. It took me 10 years of therapy to get to this this culmination point that the value of marketing is defined by sales. And, and I say that with a lot of empathy to marketers because I'm a marketer, but the reality is when was the last time marketing got more budget when the sales numbers were down? Right. And when the
0: sales numbers are down, usually they don't lay off salespeople because those people are bringing in revenues. They get rid of some of marketing.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it, it literally is a two part of the same coin. And, and more importantly, you, I think marketing exists to incrementally or exponentially grow sales. Mm-hmm. And that part is something that I think in the marketing automation space and marketers, by marketers, for marketers, and all that jazz really push marketing to have more budget and more insight into stuff and more technology. But they were not doing a lot of times what I think they were supposed to do from day one, which is to drive business. That's well, why you exist.
0: It used to be kind of a joke. Oh, you failed in, in sales or you were a lazy salesperson. We'll just move you to the marketing department or people would hide in the marketing department because there was no accountability before Martech came along before, you know, Salesforce and, and Pardot. And you, before people started making these Martechs where suddenly you could track marketing and you could see what worked and you could see whether marketing was failing or, or, or not. And then, you know, is that, partially responsible is martech responsible for the ability to do account based marketing even
1: in, in many ways it's it, so the way I look at it is a timeline 2000 email marketing fantastic time 90% open rate people used to get at that time great time for for every marketing fast forward 2005 marketing automation came about Parlot Eloqua Marketo you like, well let's capture leads because you're creating them why not uh, 2010 predictive came about It's like well Marketing is creating too much junk. We need to get after the right leads that we need to give to sales because sales doesn't like all the leads marketing is creating. So predictive came about and fast forward five more years, 2015, ABM came about. What you see in all those things, email, marketing automation, predictive, and all the different categories that were created, they were all technologies. And ABM is a strategy. Ultimately, it's a pure strategy. It's not somebody's not, hey, I'm not, when when people think marketing automation, email is what they think. When people think uh, content marketing, they know they're writing blogs and content around that. Uh, When people think uh, predictive, they know that they're looking at which scoring uh, of certain leads and stuff like that. When you think about ABM and ask this question all the time and I go out there, all kinds of answers, display advertising, direct mail, targeted campaigns, uh, all kinds of stuff. So the point is, ABM is a strategy, which is why the book finally said, well, ABM is actually B2B. This is how, if you know your target audience, you should be able to go after them. And that's what ABM allows you to do.
0: Right. Consumer marketing, maybe you have a billboard. You can do some Facebook targeting, that kind of stuff. But in B2B, you really have to know and target your market. Otherwise, our markets are so much smaller. Yeah, uh, It isn't every consumer out there. It's somebody specific with a specific need or a specific company with a specific need, a specific person in that company. Otherwise they, I mean, again, people listening don't know what ABM is, or for God's sakes, if you don't know what B2B is, please hang up now. Um, <laughs> people outside of, B2B marketing, though, wouldn't know what what ABM is. They might think it's a company that provides parking across California. I think yeah, (laughs) I went (laughs) went to an event and saw that, and I was like, this is really weird. The whole parking lot is branded. It's like, no, it's just an acronym that happens to be the parking company. Um, But, yeah, you have to be able to be targeted, so it's natural for account-based marketing. But it seems like the Martex provided a level of accountability you're, suddenly you're able to hold marketing accountable and you're able to measure stuff. And now that you can measure it, you can actually focus on the more important stuff. You can focus on the, you know, that top 20% type thing instead of just doing the spray style. When you don't know anything, you just market to everybody. And then if people come in, you say, must've been our great marketing. And if they don't, you say it wasn't, I guess, marketing wasn't good.
1: You are so right. One question, Scott, that I ask every time, and I literally get blank stares from great marketers, CMOs, even CROs and CEOs, is quite simply this. I ask them, What does your total addressable market look like? Well, how many companies do you believe you can target? And some of them would say, Oh, yeah, we can target about 100,000 companies. I'm like, oh, How many close, deals did you close last year? 11. Okay. So you can't, you don't need to go after hundred thousand companies. You need to close right. like 11 deals every year to meet your numbers or 15 if you want to grow, or 30 or 100. But what is your total investment market for this month, this quarter, this year looks like? Find that, squish it down to that number and run your marketing and sales to focus on those 100, 200 accounts. The results when you do that, are astronomically amazing. You will meet numbers, you will exceed goals, you will start frustrating your teams trying to do you stop, the spray, and batch and blast and all those things because you now only have this universe. And this idea that most companies have is that no, the whole world is my oyster. I right. think it has to be burned out.
0: I think it dawns on me that might be a result of the marketers when they're saying, What's our addressable we'll market? They already have some numbers from their executives pitch deck. Yes. And when they're saying, hey, funding people, here's how big our market is, here's how much money there is out there that we can collect. The marketers are just like, oh great, it's a $20 billion market with every company and person in the world that can buy from us. And like, no, that's not your actual market. That's the BS they're telling to venture capitalists and stuff to try to get their money. Like it's not who you should really be marketing to. No, you're
1: so right. Actually, as a matter of fact, I will be the first to admit that's what I did in my first pitch deck when we raised the Series A round. All right, how big is your market? Oh, it's $3.5 billion market. And, you know, didn't you see marketing automation? That's exactly the size of a market. But as a matter of fact, we're going to double that market. So our market is actually $7 billion. Like, that's the deck. I, still rem- I should actually bring that out because it was hilarious. I
0: want to see a pitch deck now that's made just to confound VC people where you don't have a hockey stick growth. It's just like this weird little limp growth and kind of linear and then it has a shoulder and tape flattens off and the addressable market is pretty small and you got yeah. all these slides made up and everything though and you're showing them and you're all excited and they're like what the i yeah, think they would good. be so confused they might invest in you like we've well, never seen this before yeah that growth curve just doesn't make sense yeah <laughs> why, why are they some would get angry and walk out i'm sure yeah um, yeah, I guess you have to make sure you're getting your numbers from the right place and they make sense uh, when, when you're looking at this kind of stuff. And at the count based marketing, how much time do you actually have to focus on companies? How, much, yeah. how many companies can you really target now? Come on. How many yeah. can you spend your, your time and energy on? I feel like if your market's that big, somehow you're a consumer product. Um, there, there is no business product that's quite that you know, maybe IBM computers or something.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, even if you look at Salesforce, like so big, so massive, like such a big market. Uh, and they have a, a sales cloud. and They have a marketing cloud. That is, marketing cloud goes after B two C. Your sales cloud goes after B two B. So it, it's it's so much different. It's so much finite in in a way.
0: I want to I want to take a quick step back here. Um, we kind of just blew right into this stuff because we're so both so interested in it. For, for the listeners who aren't just completely uh, familiar with you already, can you give us a little bit of a kind of description of what you guys do over
1: there at Terminus and then uh, what your day-to-day is? Sure. So Terminus is, a, is obviously an canvas marketing platform since we've been talking about that. That's clearly, clearly our spiel. Uh, we would not say that we do everything and anybody says that is a liar. Uh, is, is we, but we are helping companies target very specific set of accounts that they need to go and serve the best through digital advertising. We acquired two companies in the last uh, three years, uh, Bright Funnel to help companies not only do advertising, which is what Terminus originally started with, but also measure the success through analytics. So we acquired Bright Funnel and literally last month we acquired Sixter which is a very well-known company out there that does uh, email signatures that allows us to now get into not only third party data, but first party data uh, of companies. So
0: yeah, we've had them on the show. Those, the signature line management things uh, like them, and they were the
1: one we've had on the show. Um, Great, great products to have. Huge. And the team is phenomenal. Like I, Justin and Brian and all those people. So we're super excited. I think we are, we're literally, it feels like, and it it feels even weird to say that because I probably wouldn't have said it four years ago or five years ago when we started the company is that we just wanted to find a way to very quickly and easily and more efficiently get the right message, your advertise, your message in front of your target accounts. That's it. Like that was our pitch. That was what we wanted to do because like all these different, nobody knows what's happening we just wanted to not have a black hole. We wanted to show here are the accounts you're targeting and here's the money you spent and here's what the engagement from these accounts looked like. We thought that was like just groundbreaking and it's still groundbreaking for a lot of people. But then with Bright Funnel and now Sixster and we're still looking at two more, like it, it is super interesting that I think all of a sudden because part of Marketo and Eloqua, everybody got acquired and they just went into their like oblivion galaxy somewhere you just have this open space where there's literally no marketer like system of record left where you could actually sit in and strategize and plan all these things. So I think just a really interesting opportunity out there right now in the market.
0: Awesome. We'll talk more about terminus at the end of the show as well. Um, but it's good to have kind of some context for the listeners on what you guys do. If they weren't familiar, what about you? What's, what's your day to day there? And uh second question Why'd you drop CMO from your title?
1: Oh man, that's a great question. A great question. And so as a founder, you obviously do a million different things every day. You you just don't have a real role. And about three years into it, almost like marketing, sales, customer success, everybody reported into me. And clearly because I was the person who was out there talking about it. I was getting pulled into everything and almost lost a sense of balance of any sort uh, when it came to my family and anything, I was on the road, working like crazy, and just had like teams all over. I, I, I felt like I wasn't even serving my team good. I wasn't. I was trying to serve customers all the time, and I was not at all serving my family. And it, it just became a really crazy period of my time. Were you in
0: that but, zone where you find yourself bragging about how little sleep you're getting?
1: I, I found not only bragging, but on borderline prideful of how bad I'm doing, which makes no sense. So we it, it, it came to a point, like just being very honest, like my wife and I had a really hard-to-art conversations. Like, I don't even know you. Hmm. Like, there's something wrong here, I need to fix it. So that led to a self-discovery process of like, I don't need to have title. I don't need to have a uh, hundred people reporting to me. I don't need to have, I just need to be doing the things that I love, which is talk about this problem, get it out in the marketplace, be on very strategic, but having 50 people or hundred people report to me is going to be really, really problem. So, so two years ago, almost two years now, we just moved into like, let's hire people. So we hired a CMO, we hired a CRO. And I'm so glad we did that. It was hard. So glad we did that, that now I don't have any operational responsibilities, but I've influence obviously in marketing and, and the board and, all those things. So my day to day is pretty much there are three or four strategic initiatives that we're running as a company, either from an acquisition perspective or top 10 customer perspective or something that is really supposed to help us 10 X our company. And that's what I work on. And it's, it is very fulfilling things like writing a book and, and all those things can be part of
0: it. So you've delegated a lot of kind of the more delegatable work, I guess the yeah. stuff that isn't you
1: <laughs> yeah isn't me like i don't know how how valuable i would ever be again in figuring out do we have the right color on that particular web page and are there the right is this the booth looking good or not i, I felt like
0: that is that a result of, that. of being there from when the company like being a founder so you were doing everything at first cuz there weren't many people to do everything so you kind of yeah. had to do everything yeah. and then maybe you don't realize for a while you're, you know, you're the frog getting boiled there that, yeah. Oh, I'm still doing everything, but we've got a hundred people, we've got 200 people and I'm still trying to do everything with my yeah. time is doing everything.
1: Yeah. Well, now we're right, right close to 250 people with the acquisitions and stuff. And I think it, it the honest, the, the real truth of all of that is that I wasn't good at all the things that I was taking on. Like, I'm I'm not good at figuring out comp plan for a territory that, you know, like, how are we going to do that? Like,
0: at some point in your company, you were the best at it because sure. you didn't have many people.
1: Right. And so right. really,
0: it's just identify, it's hard to let go for founders. It's hard mm-hmm. to identify when, wait, I'm no longer the best at this. And my worth doesn't have to be measured by how many things I'm doing myself because someone else just can't do it.
1: Yeah. And it's hard, Scott. I mean, it's really hard Um, And and you use a really operative word there or phrase, let go. Like I initially thought that I was giving up, which ate me from inside. Because when you sing giving up, it's like failure. Like all the negative emotions comes with it. I had to learn those two words of letting go. No, no, no. I'm letting go of these things because I can focus on these things. Like I had to use that language to like, Oh, um, I can't do that anymore, or I'm not good enough for anymore, or like, you know, all these things so like, no, I'm letting go so I can do this. I'm letting go so I can do this. I had to strain myself every time to say that two things together. Otherwise, it was an emotional drain.
0: Yeah. That, that, once your company gets to a certain size, yeah. you, you have to start to recognize things are different. I have to be, my position is different. Yeah. And what I'm going to do day to day is different. Otherwise, you can end up letting go of other stuff like your marriage. Yeah. Like you identified it before. I'm sure there's plenty of people who have were never or didn't let go soon enough and ended up getting divorced. They lost their family because they they you know they wanted to choose the colors on a, on a website page instead. And they just it's didn't art. realize this isn't important ultimately. Someone else can do it just as good. I think I have a rule here that if if someone else and we're still really small, but I I talk to a lot of people and try to delegate and people around me still tell me to delegate more. If someone else can do it 80% as good as I can, I should delegate to them. And uh, there's another, like if they can do it half as good as I can, then I should delegate it to them and then review it when they're done. So maybe they get the first 50% done and then and then you can punch it up kind of. But it's yeah. like, you don't need to be there. You're the architect. You don't need to be there hammering every nail and stuff like yeah. that. At some point, you got to have other people trust them to do that. Trust that they're not going to do it as well as you sometimes. But then when you give them responsibility, they'll frequently
1: do it better than you. And yes. they'll, they'll then be able to grow because you're not stepping on them all the time. Yeah. and And a lot of times, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of times the only... Delta is why you're so good is because you've put more hours into it and you've put more heart into it and you own that thing. So you just put all your passion into it. And as soon as you let go and let somebody else do all that without watching their back, like they will do the same thing. And when they do it, they will actually bring their own personality to it. Stop being you, but they being them. And man, it's a beautiful thing to watch.
0: You free them up to become great at it the way, the way you did. Become yeah. even better now because that is the thing they're focused on, not everything else that you are doing also. It's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. All right, let's jump back to the book real quick. <clears throat> I've got, uh, I'd like to mention just the beginning of the book before we take a break here. Why Most B2B Marketing Sucks is the opening line to your book. Now, people, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, spill the beans here. These titles, you guys hired a comedian, in your company to help with this stuff. Yeah, I'm in love with that. I've seen a couple companies do it. I think every company should have a comedian or at least a funny guy in the office that they've identified the
1: value of that. I'm literally a stand-up comedian. I'm like, all right, I know what the content needs to be, but I don't want it to be, I don't want B2B to be for boring to boring. I really wanted to be different than that, so I would write everything. I flew him here for a week. We wrote every title, every key point on the board in my layman language and and I'm like, turn this into something, so something would say the accounts are uh, some accounts need to be treated differently, and he turned that into well, some accounts uh, deserve champagne, some sparkling water. It just made so much more sense so yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's I mean some accounts deserve to be treated differently Yeah. versus champagne and sparkling water. Really, you're going from boring to boring. It's like, yes, this is boring stuff, but it doesn't have to be. But guess what? The people you have aren't going to make it interesting. Most likely you need, uh, you need some outside perspective to to punch that up. And there's a lot of unemployed comedians. So (laughs) give one a break there and let's make B2B a little less boring to boring. Um, I, I love that now. So getting past that, the why most B2B marketing sucks. Can yeah. you address that without giving away the whole book? Can you yeah. address that a
1: little bit? Well, I mean, a lot, lot of times B2B marketing sucks because we believe sometimes, somehow I think marketers have thought that they're talking to buildings and not people. So, I mean, I remember. Right. <laughs> really, they're marketing
0: to a, to a business, which is a physical structure. So yeah. that's how we're going to address it. yeah
1: Yeah, like how many people actually read data sheets and how many people actually read um the whole believe that your case study is actually true not fabricated right if you start how many people actually read your newsletter that really Really is like you know three people working on it night and day, and and oh
0: my god, hire a comedian for your newsletter (laughs) for Christ's sakes!
1: (laughs) Right, so all these things, I think we just have made it boring because we feel like we're selling a piece of software and technology, so it needs to be all these, uh, yeah, right. That's just not true. I think we are still in the business of communicating with people. People have emotions. People have love, humor, and as long as you can appeal to all of those things, it's great. So B two B marketing sucks. Because I think most companies sell it as if they're selling to, to an actual physical building. So I remember at Pardot, we actually had a physical cutout of our customers in the office, almost in every single corner. Because I wanted everybody to know, you're selling to Sam. And Miranda, like those are the two people, they came to the office, they're physically now forever. So involved. you got
0: those stand-up cardboard things, It's was like yeah. Chewbacca's over here. And, totally. uh,
1: <laughs> and literally, and had them like a, a stand-up thing with a almost like a whiteboard in their hand, so people can write them, what does Sam care about? on the whiteboard that, that, that so nice. it literally created, like people would ask the question, like, all right, should we create this piece of content or what would Sam want? What does Miranda want? Like, and I think it changed the way we talked and thought about it. So I feel we need to personalize that, that experience.
0: Right. We've been too professional for too long. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Loosen up a little bit. He can yeah. still be professional, but let's loosen up a little bit. So really it's just the style of messaging. You're yeah, saying it is, is, is the, uh, the issue there is what kind of makes it suck.
1: It is part of style of messaging. It is also the way we we conduct the whole process. The so, structure,
0: the not being ABM kind of. Yeah,
1: not being ABM, right? Okay, <laughs> let's just send everybody an email. Like, you know, people right. should be I mean, like, no, 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 no. That is a person. Why don't you send an email to that person telling them? Or, or write email newsletters with like all these ads and all, all the big graphics all over the place. No, no, no. Send it as if you would send it to a friend or a coworker. And you get responses that are higher. Um, instead of like just doing all this blanket stuff, do a personalized video uh, to a customer, a future customer. I think all these things that are technology now for all of this, but still companies are still opting to be boring. So I think you have an opportunity, anybody who's listening to this to actually break it and, and move and do something different about it. Try something interesting.
0: Yeah. What do you think about this? I had a thought the other day with, with marketing and it was it had to do with sales and marketing alignment. So it's a slightly off topic, but I thought, you know what? And the, the whole marketing accountability thing and being able to break out and try other stuff, should marketing have some sales people in the marketing department that are like market. So they don't have a sales quota because they're experimental sales kind of. So <laughs> now you're free because you can't run experimental campaigns and give them a sales. They're like, I don't want to, I don't want to miss my quota because I'm following up with your experiment. But if you had some salespeople that were just like, hey, you're the fun sales guy. Here's yeah. what we're going to try out. And you can try this out like in a sales R&D department kind of. Then marketing gets to own some sales and ch- test some ideas. It seems like any company of a certain size should have a sales R&D that's
1: inside marketing. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. The, the way I have always... Uh, it. it Definitely recommended and done it several times at Terminus, but also recommended to other customers out there is this idea that find your Joey and Sally, the two sales team members that you go to drinks with, you enjoy time with them. They get you, they love you. You love them. It's it's, it's a, they're typically one or two people just like that. You just jam with them, find them, ask them to show me the 10 accounts that you need to close this month to meet your quota. Just ask that simple question. They will tell you right off the bat. They will they know exactly, their title is account uh, executive, by the way, so they know accounts. We Marketing just missed that and give them leads. So they know accounts and they will give you the 10 account. Now go do crazy amount of stuff to create experiences for those 10 accounts and help them close it. And if they close, the chances are one, some of them are gonna close anyway, but if you can help them, they might close two or three more things like, oh, three of them are in Boston. Let's do, do a dinner in Boston. Go off script. Oh, right. three, oh, oh, some of them are in financial services. Let me just change our ebook and make it all about financial services. And why don't you send this now? It's a, just an ebook just for that industry and do something. Oh, five or seven of them are in manufacturing. Why don't we do a webinar very quickly, change everything, and we just expect these seven people to be on that webinar. We're not looking for a thousand people on it. Do stuff like that. Break all the rules and they will win. They will actually have more right. clothes. When they do, not if. When they do, they will go tell everybody in the sales organization that, "Hey, marketing literally helped me beat my quota." The CRO and the CEO will come down to you and saying, "Why are you not doing this for my entire organization?" That's when things click and change. So don't overgo and tell everybody that the world is going to change and we're going to change everything. No, no. Find Joey and Sally, make them wildly successful, and the rest will just follow.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess that's an outside version of you getting these people to trust you of having your own inside salesperson that is your, you know, you hire a Joey and Sally kind of yes. in your department. I've always joked about, but seriously, somebody needs to do it if they haven't already. Um, you know, things like hiring a guy with a sandwich board to stand in front of the building with a message just for that one person that, that you need to talk to or the, Hey, Steve, why are you dodging John's calls? Yeah. He's, or, he's yeah, reaching I, out to you. Answer yeah. his email from yesterday, will you? And not only I think, or if you if you put a billboard outside a company's office, all right, how much is this going to cost for a tar- billboard targeted to either one company or one person in that company? You tell me you're not going to get their attention and they're not going to come and talk to you now? Yeah. You put a whole billboard up that just said, Mark, call me. <laughs> <laughs> like, And not only that, you'll probably get residual exposure because people will talk about it so much and yeah. they get around and everybody suddenly will know who you are and then you might you'll end up on the national newscast talking about this billboard purchase, you know, one billboard outside of Google or whatever they call it. <laughs>
1: yeah. <But laughs> see, to get that's one the person's attention. But that's the thing. That's why it's boring to boring because nobody would do it. Yeah. Nobody yeah. would do it. Like that's that's what makes it really, really hard and and that is the biggest challenge because now what is the ROI of putting a hundred thousand dollar in one or five, like probably not that much like maybe five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to do something like that. What yeah. is the ROI of that? and now you're digging, digging yourself into all these questions where it's not about ROI on that it is about what is the, the the crazy stuff you're doing that's built the brand. So it has to be in the DNA of the company. Yeah. Takes,
0: but I'm saying marketing to get out of boring, you have to take some risks. Yes. And, you know, maybe you don't have the budget to buy a billboard outside of your target company's office. So the guy looks out the window and sees it every day. Um, but, you know, you can hire a guy with a sandwich board. You can yeah. buy a Southwest ticket, fly out there yourself with a sandwich board and, yeah. and write something on it in chalk and wait for him to come out and just know what you're going to say and do know what the next step is. And maybe you've got budget for that or some yeah. smaller version, or a version of that in an email even. Um, just do something that's not so boring. You don't have to stick to the, here's our features, let me know if you'd yeah. like
1: to schedule a demo type of a uh, of a schedule. Now, some easy examples while we're talking about that was like we would send like a box of pizza and saying, hey, we, you know, it's a lunchtime. We, this is for sales and marketing together. We're sending you three boxes of pizza tomorrow afternoon. Um, for one, well, like at noon, it will hit right at eleven thirty. People free to have it, and I'll be on this Zoom call waiting if you guys want to join while you're eating your pizza or something like that. We've done yeah. that. Send Jenny's ice cream. Like, hey, marketing sales, have fun, right?
0: Great thing about account-based marketing. You're taking these ten thousand accounts that you said were your addressable market, and now you're saying. Here's 500. Yeah. We're going to spend the budget across these same accounts. So guess what? You can do a lot more interesting things because you have so much more money per per account now. You can say, oh, we can afford to do that because guess what? We were only going to close, like you said, 11 deals anyway. Yeah. Now all of a sudden we're closing twelve, focusing only on five hundred of the companies. This is confusing. Why is this so <laughs> great? Well, read the book, listen to Sangram. He's telling you this is what you should be doing. Stop pretending the whole world is your is your market. You have a market. Go conquer it. Like uh, yeah, this stuff's great. I mean, okay, everybody listening is probably familiar with account based marketing already, but you're familiar with it as a general concept. Like you read a book like this, and you listen to what Sangram has to say. And it starts to sink in more the the benefits and how, like, basically, this used to be all we had. And then marketing came around, but it wasn't, we didn't have the right setup to really do it properly. And then the technology started to get us there. And now we're there where we can get back to marketing the way you should be marketing. And I'm sure it's only gonna get better. We're only gonna have better text. Terminus is only gonna do better at being able to connect. My company does data. We're only gonna get better data to help you target more niche, the right people at the right time. Again, the right people, the right people, the right people, the right accounts. Um, so you take advantage of it. You don't have to market
1: like it's the 80s anymore. Yeah. And your customer expect you to do better. I think that is the part where I think we have started to, because we all live, we are all people. Again, if you're not trying to sell to a building or a robot, you're still dealing with people. So that's the story. And you ex- we all expect Uber and Netflix and all of these things, the same people are selling. And now I don't know why that, oh, that's B2C and B2B has got to be so different. Like, no, there's the same person who watched Netflix and Uber. And I I think I really, really do truly believe, Scott, that if people even take 1% of what we're talking here and just channel that energy into like, you know what, we're going to craft this week, we're going to do videos as opposed to text emails. Or this week, we're going to do direct mail and send Jenny's ice cream or a pizza and try to get appointments with our top 10 accounts. Or this week, sales marketing, we're going to focus with, with, with Sally and Joey and find those 10 accounts and do something interesting for them. Break the rules, break the routing system, break all that stuff. We're just going to go crazy and make them successful. You do that. You get that mindset on. Do it for a week, man. I really do believe it changes the culture and the results will speak for itself.
0: Now, I'd I'd like to make sure people didn't take the wrong message away from that. When Sangram says do it for a week, he's not saying try account based marketing for a week. And if you don't see the results, well, it didn't work out. You have a thing called the sales cycle. Uh, (laughs) You need to to try anything new out for long enough to see it work. Now, if you're looking for a lead, and you can generate a lead in a short period of time, and that's your measure of success. Great but you can't do account-based marketing for a week. And I know that's, I know that's absolutely not what you meant. Yeah, um, no. But people will hear that and be like, yeah, I got to convince my boss to let me try account-based marketing for a week. Like, well, no, happen- no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah,
1: but what will happen in a week, I'm so glad you brought that up. What will happen in a week is that there will be some milestones, some things right. which are changing. The salesperson will start feeling marketing really cares about me. They actually are doing stuff for me. They will give you credit uh, on certain things and certain things. So movement will happen. You will actually create content that makes sense and people are engaging with it. When you start seeing movement, results are happening. So you're right. You will probably not see significant results in a week by any chance. But that mindset shift for one week will hopefully convince you and your team and your boss and whoever that this is probably the right way to do it.
0: Yeah. Make sure if you're testing it out that... What your your measure of success is something that's achievable in the time frame that you're you're looking for it in. I, I've right. I've heard horror stories of people doing these short, you know, these short trials for account based marketing and just not seeing the returns. Not uh, true. Yeah. It's like you're measuring if if your measurement of success is, hey, Sally thinks maybe she doesn't hate working here anymore. That's a that's a nice thing. You know, and there's a lot of good that can come in a week, um, just just internal uh, in, in the office, especially if the first thing you do is hire that comedian. Um, <laughs> everybody's sitting on whoopee cushions around the office all uh, the we day. did that in
1: the first year man that was all the <laughs> rage uh, the first year was all whoopee cushion <laughs> oh god
0: <laughs> okay you know what at this point we're gonna have an awkward break because we're rolling through too much here sangram to to stop and take a break break
1: well, if you're looking
0: for a reliable and secure webinar solution where you can organize your product demos,
1: online meetings, sales presentations, go on clickmeeting.com, supported by all the tools and webinar flywheel where we help you to put all the tools in the sales process uh, where, we, where you achieve your growth, your business growth, because your, your business goal is our goal. Find us on clickmeeting.com.
0: Something I'd like to get to. There's so many things in so little time with you here. You wrote the book, right? With account-based marketing, with a lot of the type of things we're talking about, um, marketing has a hard time justifying them. Again, they got to convince their bosses, hey, I know we've been doing this and we exist as a company, so why change what we're doing? But trust me, you want to grow, you want to make more money, this is the way to do it. How do you measure success and or sell your superiors on something, not just like account-based marketing, but writing a book, having mm-hmm. a podcast. Like We have a podcast here. I'm the CEO, so I can get away with it. I tell people, yeah. don't worry. We're not measuring anything. There's no level of success. There's no ROI. There's zero clients that we are going to tell if they came from the- People ask me how many downloads we have. I say, I don't know. We don't yeah. look at any numbers. That's not what it's about but I can do that. You have a marketing manager who wants to do something who wants to try something new. How do they sell that and how do they measure it? And should they measure it? Like, like how do you say I want to do X, Y, Z that's different and new and not get in trouble for it.
1: Yeah. You know, that's a great question, man. And, and same thing for me, right? Like I, for me to say, I want to write a book because it's time with second book on this thing. And you're like, okay, fine. Yeah. You, probably do it and I can just talk to the board and stuff and get budget and move within you know, lightning speed on those things. And I, so I recognize the the challenge there. What I've always found the most successful people do in, in in our own organization right now, we're like about 250 people now. And I see I see the people who are actually doing something different and a lot of the people not like following the suit. They would literally say, you know what, let me just experiment something they will use these words that i love like let me just pilot this let me not change the world but just pilot this for like maybe a season so if you Mm -hmm. want to launch a podcast you could just say i want to just launch a, a season for one quarter and interview like 10 of our customers and see what happens and and that is a much easier consumable thing for the executive team to say okay well, it's just one season. It's just $5,000. And if it works great, then we can look at it. But if it doesn't, at least, you know, we didn't burn through everything. Now, if you say, I want to learn a podcast and you know, it's going to be, then it all of a sudden it becomes like that thing.
0: If you're saying I'm going to shift all this, we're doing over to something new. So it has to be a little R and D side experiment kind of do something small, measurable and, and simple to pull off kind of.
1: Yeah, and not, not, oh, not boil the ocean, not me. Like, even when I tell companies, say, okay, we're going to go ABM, I'm like, please do not go and tell your company you're doing ABM. I'm like, but that's <laughs> what we're doing. I'm like, yes, please do not go and tell everybody you're doing ABM. We're going to change the metrics. We're going to measure different things. We're going to change. Right. No, 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 no. Please never, ever say that. Never. Just go in and do your job and not look at it from this lens of accounts, lens of increasing velocity of your deals lens of helping Joey and Sally to be super successful. Just use this lens and 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 do this for a good period of time. And all of a sudden when the results start bubbling up, then you can say, well, the result is because of this, and now you get support and credit. But please don't go and say, we're going to be ABM. It would make just sense. No, It's too much of a shock to the system.
0: Right. Now, at some point I mentioned earlier that I, I think Martech really allowed ABM to have the explosion it had because you can track, you can hold accountable, you can segment so much easier. It doesn't take so much manual work. So you can, you know, sure you're focusing on less accounts with ABM, but it's still taking some previously extremely manual things and scaling them to those few, but still too many accounts. Yeah. Um, so at some point, it seems you have, there's some Martex you're going to need to incorporate and some of those might cost money. So you may be able to do some ABM style stuff and restructure the way you're doing some things without having to make serious changes. But at some point you've got to make a tech stack that's ABM friendly.
1: Right. Right. And I think that's where we, we, we what we have in the book is the team framework. Um, that is literally being like, I see people using that in the board now, um, which is mm-hmm. super cool because it literally takes away marketing and sales conversation. The team framework is literally target, engage, activate, measure, T E A M: target, engage, activate, measure. It literally allows you to say, all right, you, if you want to have a conversation with the CFL, Tell them that here are the tools for targeting, for engagement, for activation and measurement. Your CFO will finally understand what marketing is spending all these money for. Like because uh-huh. they, So you might they be able to
0: sell them on, hey, would you like to be able to measure what we're doing better?
1: Yeah. Like here's the <laughs> gap. We don't have anything to activate our sales uh-huh. team. We don't have, so, so now you can have an intelligent business conversation with your CFO, mm-hmm. uh, with the board, you can say, well, here's our targeting strategy with our top tier accounts. Here's how we are engaging them on their terms through certain things that we're doing. Here's how we are activating the most important part of our business, which is the sales team to close those deals. And here are the metrics that I want to talk about because this is what matters to this target audience. So this team framework is literally can change the way you talk inside of your conversation and get everybody educated. Because one thing I've seen more often than not is that what you share is what you're measured on, right? And what you measured on is what, what people will ask you questions on. So if you don't change what you talk about, then you're going to go back to the old metrics. So you have to change the way you're talking about certain things slowly. And this target, engage, accurate measure just makes too much sense not to do it.
0: Right. I know two chapters in your book, there's five chapters, two of them are about this team framework. Now just to, obviously not me, asking for a friend, uh, team framework, acronym or is that actually changing the framework of your marketing team?
1: Yeah, it, it's literally interesting. One team is also our um, internal core value. So mm-hmm. I'll tell you a quick story. Like about two years ago, uh, we, had, um, we had a big powwow in the executive team and we're trying to figure out like what we're doing. And then one of them said, hey, one team now, like, let's just focus on the one team. We need to go and do this thing as one team. That was so powerful that that became our core value. And then when we started looking at all the different things, it was just so happened that when I looked at the flip maple stages and stuff, we saw that well, it's actually kind of aligns with the team acronym. So we started to adopt it, and customers started to adopt it, and we started to see in like presentations of other people, we're like, we better create this a framework and put it in the book. So it literally led from that hyper active conversation to now a framework that I think hundreds of companies are using today.
0: So it's uh it's kind of a B2B double entendre.
1: Totally. Yeah. Totally it's, it's
0: like, it's not either or, it's both. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs>
1: both, you go in a team meeting and, and sales and marketing and work in a team meeting, figure out your team yeah. framework, report on team. It, it actually simplifies a whole lot of things. And
0: chapter, let's see, chapter four here is you can start today by
1: yeah. putting
0: the team framework into action. So really when it's, how can you, I guess another great thing about account-based marketing, probably one of the reasons it's caught on so well is it's not an all or nothing. It's not, you've got to change everything you're doing and reinvest and completely switch over to this from that. You can start to dip your toes in the water. You there's, there's little incremental steps people can do to, to get more account-based. And honestly, because the technology, it makes sense. It's just the next thing. It's where things, you know, it's it's where you should have been the whole time, but we didn't have the technology for it. I think
1: it's Um, the right place to be.
0: Speaking of which, do you have a favorite tech stack for account based marketing?
1: Wow, that's a great question because that really is a very quick way to make enemies and uh, <laughs> in the space in the, in the that I'm in right now. That's a
0: great answer. Like, no comment. They're all good.
1: Um, <laughs> they're all I mean, fantastic.
0: There's plenty of great interchangeable parts.
1: Yeah, you know? uh, absolutely. What I would say, the, the way I would answer that question, like a politician, um, really, is is that once you figure out you know, what you need for target, engage, activate, there are very, there, you can, you, all of a sudden, the MarTech stack of 7,000 companies shrinks for you to like what you really need. I think that's, right. the, the, just, that would just save you so much time. And then within that, you can start to look at, for example, sales activation without that Honestly, there's no ABM program that I've seen successful. you got to get your sales team activated the right way. So think between outreach and sales law, like whichever is going to, so so you can start looking at the two of each areas and start figuring out how do you use terminus for, or or demand base for all of these things. So there are elements you can probably put in, but honestly, I would rather want people to think about the framework as a way to think and address that as part of their budget, as part of their reporting structure. Um, the tools will just automatically start coming in place.
0: That's kind of beautiful that it's not like for this one element of account-based marketing, there's one thing that, and this is the one. No, you've got five, six, sometimes 20 different things you can choose from. And maybe some of them are specialized for what you do or integrate with your stuff a little better. Um, So there's a lot of options. It's a good thing. It's a good thing.
1: Okay, um, up quite a bit. so
0: Sangram says, no comment on the tech stack. Excellent.
1: <laughs>
0: um, it, do you think there's anywhere that, uh, I'm going to shoot through some, some like, questions for people to get, to get some major takeaways here. Uh, do you think there's anywhere, any, any specific area that's holding account-based marketing back right now? Is there something that's missing that needs to be better? Maybe that the MarTechs aren't quite integrating as well as they should, anything like that?
1: Yeah, I, I think today what's missing is there's not a clear command center for people to go in and say, all right, here's where I'm going to do all my account marketing from. Obviously, we are trying to be that. But today, uh, I think most customers or most companies fail or have a challenging time to like, all right, I'm doing this here. I'm doing that over there. And they're all not connecting for me to have a Salesforce mm-hmm. like view of everything I'm doing for all the accounts. And I think that's hurting and causing people to go through hoops.
0: So the modular nation or the modular um, setup is great in MarTech because you can plug all these things together, but they overlap in a lot of their, what you can do, like, should I do this in this or in this? Cause they both, you know, they have overlapping functionality sometimes. Yeah. Um, and then maybe they don't integrate as fully as they should. So you're having to jump around and, and try to figure out oh. which, which area to do this and that.
1: Yeah, that's why marketing operations is so hot right now because that's what they do is like keep plugging things in and try to start new yeah. stuff, and it's hard.
0: My philosophy on that, and I, I talked with Scott Brinker a while back, and I, I, I know, this isn't mine. I, I feel like I'm I'm taking from him and and mixing myself in a little bit. Is um, that's kind of where Martech's going. Martechs now have matured to the point that instead of having all these different technologies and people just come up with a function, you have Sigster, okay, great. But as a standalone thing, it's really difficult to properly integrate with all the others the way you need it to to really get the value to have information passed through. Everything's siloed, kind of. And there's integrations, but they don't hook and pass the information through. And before these martechs really matured to where they had to compete on that, on you know everything passing through properly, Um, they're just competing on functionality and, oh, we can do this and on getting the word out. So the the customers are kind of losing because the stuff isn't integrating properly and you have this huge market and that's fantastic. But Martechs don't talk to each other. Like nobody's getting along with each other. You guys are like, okay, you probably looked at it and said, we could partner with Sixer, but that's not good enough. We need to buy them. Yeah. Because partnering (laughs) the communication, it slows things down. The customers lose.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. Like, it's 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 so on point, man. I think that's the number one pain. I think most marketing organization, most CMOs have today. They got twenty tools, and they're trying. They're actually just using five of them really well. The rest fifteen are kind of there, overlapping hard and not connected and are not able to derive the most value. So I look at 2020 as a year where companies are going to consolidate a lot more. So you actually, I think companies are going to see going from 22 different tools to about five or 10 tools and they and, and do really well around those because those tools are trying to consolidate a couple of other players in it. So I, I think it's a, it's a good time to be a marketer because you're actually going to, I think, should save more money and be able to invest in the right accounts.
0: Yeah, and I would say a warning to Martechs if you have a small Martech out there, be friendly with other Martechs, be really easy to partner with them, or you're going to be left behind because your competition is going to get bought and absorbed by someone else. And then the features will integrate cleanly with what people are using, or someone else is going to communicate with the other Martech companies, not yeah. be so greedy and so worried that that they're going to make a deal and they don't get the best deal possible and you're not going to integrate with people and the customers are going to go to the, the Martech that integrates. You know, I, I had a, a um, marketing operations person on a while back and I told her, I really want to get rid of your job. <laughs> saying they're super popular, but they shouldn't be. They're not marketing. Yeah. They're this, they're a side effect of Martechs, not communicating, not partnering properly and not integrating as much as they should. So you have to have, this like you don't have a marketing operations person for an iphone everything is there that needs to be there and it all functions together properly you don't need a guide to help you through everything right now we need a guide because all of us we're not communicating where everybody's too greedy and they won't talk and they won't partner and they won't integrate because how how am i going to get paid how is this going to like stop worrying so much about that the customer needs you to integrate and somebody else is going to and you'll be left behind. Yeah. I think that'll be great for a b m too the The more integration the smoother this stuff can happen, the better you can target your accounts uh cleanly thoroughly, and think about you know which line the comedian wrote you want to use instead of uh instead of- going over your marketing operations stuff all day totally totally. Um, okay. Moving on, on the questions here as fast as I can. Typically, I don't go through just kind of preset questions, but with you, there's things I want to know. (laughs) I want the information in your head, Sangram. And so do the listeners. All right. If you had to pick one thing that people need to make sure they don't do in their account-based marketing, what would you say? What's the
1: most lethal thing? Um, well, one, don't announce everybody that you're doing ABM, uh, because that would be a problem. Um, the, the other part I've seen companies do is that uh, the most legal thing is like going back to the old metrics to prove ABM is right. So example is like I've seen companies do ABM and their traffic drops by like 70%. And one of those stories right. is look, And then well, they freak
0: out. A- oh, we failed. Oh my God, yeah. look, it's terrible. Yeah,
1: yeah. and the reality is that they couldn't be doing more better job to help the business because their pipeline and revenue is going up. So your old metrics are going to, fade off especially the false positives are going to go away and you're going to have the right metrics that actually truly drive the business uh return pretty good Mm.
0: let's say if you need to sell it to your bosses and not have these metrics that they think are important um (laughs) suddenly tank and then freak out about what are you doing sure your traffic's going to drop but just you know, send out an old school style email campaign with the subject line. I found your dog <laughs> link through to your page and you'll get a bunch of bogus, fake, no good, angry traffic, but you, you won't see those numbers drop because you're going to yeah. have one hell of a click through rate with a, uh, that kind of, now you might get a lot of complaints as well. So actually I'd say don't follow my advice. That was a joke, but, um, <laughs> that's the type of thing I, I have people ask me sometimes, Oh, how can I get this? How can I do that? How can I, Oh, look, if we do this, these numbers go up, uh, you know, SEO really easy to make an SEO page that ranks first on Google for something Yeah. really hard to make it rank and have people come through and actually convert to something because again, you can make an SEO page that just triggers all these things, but then it's BS. If anybody comes through to it, there's nothing there. There's no call to action. It doesn't flow. Your product isn't supporting it. You're like to have it actually flow through to the final measurable thing of a sale Mm -hmm. is the, is the ultimate, uh, Ultimate measure. So, I guess, yeah, like you're saying, go in stealth mode. Yeah. At least long enough to see your results come through on the sales cycle. So you can say everything dropped in the middle here, but the end increased. And what do we really care about?
1: That's exactly right. I mean, well, no, you're not going to lose your job if your pipeline and revenue numbers are going up.
0: Right. Yep. So keep the final metric of sales. Yep. Come up with some new metrics in between for what with account-based marketing, you should really be measuring and paying attention to now and, and, and caring about. Let's see. Do you have any rituals you do to get yourself ready, to keep yourself motivated?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of this, I think, and I keep going through in and out of a lot of these things, right? Because you try some, it works really good for a little bit and then you're like, all right, I need something else to do. Um, but one thing that I've done for the last four years very consistently is like, I journal like three to four times a week, um, actually with my son, which is really, really fun to do. Um, that has been really good, really helpful, really powerful for me. Um, the other part, the, the other thing that I've learned about myself and everybody's different is my morning. I need the first hour of the day for myself. Like I have to, like, I have to, if that might be, I will do like, go do my exercise or I'll just wake up and work on the most important thing I need to work on that day or week. Um, that, so I just need that first hour. I need to control the first hour because the rest of the day is uncontrollable. it will right. things happen. So when I control the first hour and the outcome of that first hour, I feel a lot more energized and excited for the rest of the rest of the day. And I just found that as a really good way to like, just know that I'm going to control what I can and everything else I'm not going to try to control.
0: So you're starting out with a successful hour every day by do by doing that kind of good. starting off on a good foot. Yeah. That kind of goes back to I guess I'd mentioned earlier the the culture and I'm sure it's out there some it used to be the thing of you know oh, if you're getting eight hours of sleep a night, then you're a loser and you're not actually committed to to winning yeah. in this company, and the people who brag about how many nights they go a week without sleeping at all, those are the studs yeah and i I feel like it comes around to what you said earlier of eventually you realize you know, you need to take care of yourself and your whole value isn't how many hours you're putting in. Unless you're an entry level, you know, working in the trenches person, once you have actual value to what you're doing, it doesn't have to be doing it 12 hours a day anymore. In fact, that is going to be hurting you. Um, So I, I think, you know, maybe an intern Uh, could be not getting much sleep because what they're doing doesn't require their mind to be functional anyway. But if you value your job and you think you have a job of value and you bring something of value, I'd say, you know, make sure you're getting your sleep, taking care of yourself. Like you said, your first hour might be working out. Maybe that's what you need to do to be great for the rest of the day. Um, But, but take that time to value yourself and forget about measuring your success on how many or how little hours you sleep. Um, Yeah.
1: It, it, it's counterproductive over a period of time.
0: Yeah. Um, all right, we're coming around to the end here. I want to get back to kind of terminus. What you guys do? Um, obviously, the book ABM is B two B. Everyone, go check that out. We mentioned some of the stuff in there, but it's it's written really great. I was telling uh, Sangram before before we started recording. I love the paper <laughs> in the book. I was like, the content's great. Yes, it's really readable. There's really smart stuff in there. Blah, blah, blah. Account-based marketing. I get it. Um, really, the content's awesome. But I love the paper. <laughs> I love the, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, ah, I like the feel of the paper. So check out that book, ABM is B2B. The show notes will have a link um, a link to that for you. I imagine Amazon, that be a safe place for to do for you.
1: Yeah, it is on Amazon. I mean, we, as I said, like we have like there are hundred plus reviews on the book. So hopefully it's not just from my friends and neighbors and family here, but it's, uh, there are real people reading it. Um, and it's not for everybody. If you're serious about making sure that you're focused on efficient growth for your business, if you're in B2B, I mean, this is for you. If it's not, then, you know, you'll waste your money. It might be a good night's sleeping aid.
0: I would say, you know what, if you don't want to make more money and have a more successful business and, uh, <laughs> and be more successful, then don't buy the book, except for I realize, no, still buy it, put it on your shelf and you'll look smart. So will... go ahead and buy the book still. It might keep you around at your job for a little longer. It'll fool your boss into thinking you know what you're doing.
1: Well, you know what? And even, even more funny on, or maybe interesting part of that is that, it, you know, if you act, because it has a cracked egg on the, uh, on the front of it, put it on the coffee table. It looked like a cooking book. Like, yeah with that
0: really confuse people like what is an abm is that a new type of type of pie i don't i'm not sure (laughs) maybe i should read this um (laughs) fantastic all right uh so we'll have that's uh links to the book on the show notes also your company terminus will have on there anything else you want us to put in the show notes for you anything else you want to put out there ways people can contact you that kind of stuff
1: um, I'm uh, I'm on LinkedIn. That's the only place I'm on. So uh, hit me up. I love sharing stuff on a regular basis on it, and love to engage.
0: Great. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn on the, on there as well. But as we always say, just put the name in, and uh, and it'll come up. Type in B two B on on LinkedIn, and I'm pretty sure uh, Sangram's uh, profile is the one that comes up. <laughs> uh, or not B two B. I'm sorry, ABM. A- <laughs> put a- in yeah. ABM. And here here comes Sangram for you. Yeah, I was first introduced to you back. It probably was around 2016. You guys were just starting to do your account-based marketing, uh, Flip the Funnel events. And yes. uh, I, I went to one of those and was just kind of blown away with what you guys were creating there. So really excited to have you on. Um, really excited to have you in the B2B industry. Everything you're doing for B2B marketing is fantastic. Um, we all appreciate it. So uh, please, uh, listeners, everybody listening, uh, what are we going to ask you to do this week? How about you uh, share us on social media? Come uh, check out our, uh, my LinkedIn profile, maybe, and uh, we always post these uh, these episodes up there and uh, share it around with some people. They will definitely appreciate uh, hearing everything Sangram has to say here on this episode. And um, I'm half of the If You Market team, and Sangram Vajare. You had it wrong the
1: first time. Yeah, Vajray. yeah.
0: Uh, Vajare.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going for the Beyonce. I'm like just one name. Like you know, you don't need the full name. So like Sangram uh, will do.
0: Okay, and on behalf of uh, Sangram of Terminus, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast where we believe if you market the shit out of it with ABM, they will come.
1: All right, thanks Sangram, that was awesome. Thank you, buddy, thank you.
0: The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool, and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits.